Thank you. Some announcements that you should take note of. Um, one, missions for the month, this month, is going to be for Samaritan's Purse, and it's to be to help Operation Christmas Guild for the children. Uh, as you know, we've done this in the past. Uh, in the past, we used to pack the shoe boxes. Now, I guess they're packing it in themselves, but they would like the money so they can buy the items to put in the shoe box. Another important change, we're off of Luke. Guess what? We're on Esther and Ruth. And so the pastor is pleased to uh, and ask you to join him Tuesdays at noon for the Bible study, for the women's Bible study. I guess men can come, but uh, it's been noted as women's Bible study. Men still have theirs going on in the morning, and uh, there's more people, there's more space for people in all these Bible studies. So if you know someone, a neighbor, a friend, uh, let them know about it. Uh, other than that, again, uh, you're welcome to come to all the council meetings. We had one just a week or so ago, and we got uh, Lee, Lee Bergen. A lot of you knew about that last Sunday that we were here. Uh, he's uh, volunteered to fill in uh, now until we have the election in January at the church meeting. Other than that, I think I've covered most of the bases. So uh, other than we looking for more people to join council and looking for more people for worship assistance and everything else, I know most of all of you do a lot and we appreciate everything that everybody does. So God bless you. Joys 
stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known and from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above, and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house 
and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh Lord, keep your church in your perpetual mercy, and because without you we cannot but fall, preserve us from all things hurtful, and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Amos, chapter 8, verses 4 through 7, and can be found on page 1429 in the Pew Bible. Uh, this is God, Amos, uh, God speaking through Amos. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat, skipping on the measure, boosting the price, cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy with a, for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. The Lord has shown by himself the pride of Jacob. I will never forget anything they have done. We'll read Psalm 113 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin on page 6. 
Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the places where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless women in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. The next reading is taken from the first book of Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 15, and can be found on page 1846 in the Pew Bible. In this passage, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is in Ephesus, about how to worship in church. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 15. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to, to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from St. Luke 
chapter 16, verses 1 through 15, and can be found on page 1625 in your pew Bible. Luke records, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in, and he asked him, What is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. And so he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Well, 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. And the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. And then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, take your bill, and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. And I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so then when it is gone, you will be welcome into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with other people, someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The, uh, the words that we just heard 
from Jesus can be really confusing. Churches all over the world use the revised common lectionary. That's what we use. And it lists out the gospel and the epistle letters that you heard today. And does it in a regular succession over three years you get through the entire Bible. So what that means is that a bunch of pastors looked at these words of Jesus in preparation for their proclamation. And your pastor, your pastor looked and he really considered preaching something entirely different, maybe from one of the epistles today, because it's just that challenging. The teaching of Jesus that we heard has always been a challenge to read, to teach in order to understand. So get ready. This may be a bumpy ride this morning. One of the problems in a passage like this, but it's throughout the Scripture, one of the problems that we have because we live in the 21st century Western culture is that we don't really understand what it was like to be a Jew in first century Israel. And in study of Scripture, one of the things you've heard me say is in order for us to understand, for it to make sense, we need to understand what it meant to them. And we have that going on today. Um, I was reminded this morning of back when I was a young man in high school, a little younger than David, the word bad came out and it meant good. And for us in Northern California, you go, oh man, that's bad. And they were like, I know, right? And I had a friend move back from England. His dad and his, had relocated there with his family for about four years. And he came back and had the English accent and everything. I go, oh man, that's bad. And it confused him. Even more recently, my wife Tracy and her sister and their, uh, our niece went to Cedar City, Utah for a uh, bridal shower. And in California, Southern California, we kind of talk funny uh, a little bit. And um, one of the things that slips out is, yeah, no. Right? Have you ever heard that? Yeah, no. And, and so these Utah, Utahns are looking, they go, well, what is it? Is it yeah or no? So we have that. And boy, uh, good luck historians in the future trying to decipher all of this. But here's what it was like back then. See, Jesus told of a manager who worked for a wealthy landowner, but Jesus did not tell the exact crime. He didn't list it. But this manager committed some kind of a firing offense. It was bad, and he was done, and we were witness to it. He could have been fraud, it could have been embezzlement, whatever. It doesn't matter. It was bad. 
Now, in order to ingratiate himself with the boss's business associates, this manager, he brought them, and in the translation I read, didn't emphasize it, but I need to emphasize this to you. He brought these business associates in one at a time, one-on-one meeting. And he had them reduce the terms significantly. They cut their bill in some, some points at 50%. And he did this after he was fired. He was already fired. And every transaction that he did was illegal. I mean, it was wrong. And it's just that his boss's business associates didn't know it yet. They didn't know he was fired, but they knew they were getting a deal. And then the strangest part of it is that the wealthy landowner commended this manager for his shrewdness. Yeah, no. See what I did there? Doesn't make any sense. What is up with that? Well, I'm going to tell you. In our culture, today, that landowner would quickly call the district attorney and he would file a complaint. And more than likely, that manager would find his uh, fanny in jail. And then all of the transactions, every single one, would be null and void. For we know that fraud vitiates everything. And nothing that this manager did would work out. And the landowner would most certainly not commend him for anything if that happened today. Amen? Make sense? Now the key difference is the difference in our cultures. Because first century Israelites, well... It was an honor, and it was a shame culture. And honor was more valuable than wealth. That a person would rather suffer bankruptcy than endure any kind of shame. In fact, the community viewed the shame of dying on a cross as worse than the suffering and death of the cross. Imagine that. It just didn't look good, and that mattered more. Now, you could say, and you've heard this before, death before dishonor. That was literally how they lived. So how how does this apply to the parable today? Well, stay with me. In uh, Luke 16, verses 1 and 2, Jesus said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager And charges were brought to him, and that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and he said, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in your account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. Now the rich man knew that the community had accurately reported the mismanagement of this manager. And the nature of the mismanagement is not important. All we really need to know is simply this, 
is that it was serious enough to have the manager fired. And the rich man fired the manager and told him to bring in his accounts so that he could assign them to a manager who would be honest with them. Bring in your books. You're out of here. And then we read further that, And the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg, and I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So here, Jesus is informing us, the hearers, that this manager was no longer able to make a living in any other way. So he had to come up with a desperate scheme simply in order to survive. So the manager did this, it's recorded. Summoning his managers or his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And that person said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. And then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. Now in each case, the value of the reduction People much brighter than me, but it's been recorded here uh, in commentaries. But in each case, the value of the reduction was about 500 days wages. 500 days wages. That's a lot. Now, there's a couple of things that we should note about these transactions. First of all, they are entirely illegal. We, we agree on that. But the but the debtors, they didn't know it yet. And that is the reason that the manager called them one by one. Because if he had a group of them all together, they might think that something was up. And so he sat down, each one of them, one by one. And then second, the debtors were not suspicious. Imagine that. I mean, wouldn't you uh, kind of think about, well, this sounds too good to be true? We have that in our vernacular. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, right? But this indicates, they weren't suspicious. It indicates that this sort of bill reduction was something that the wealthy landowner might have done every once in a while. And then third, although Jesus told about the two debtors, the implication is that there were probably others, that these two were merely examples of what the manager did. Now, outside of all of this transactions going on, the community began to believe that these reductions came straight from the wealthy landowner himself. And they would begin to praise the wealthy landowner's generosity. What a guy. Did you hear what he's doing? In modern terms, his poll numbers were going up. And his popularity 
And therefore his honor, his honor was increasing in the eyes of the community. And pretty soon the whole village was singing his praises. So the manager had the landowner in a bind. If the landowner rolled back the deals that the manager had made, his popularity and his honor would crash and burn. And the landowner would rather take the financial hit than lose all that honor. And further, the landowner told that if the landowner told anyone about how this manager had outsmarted him, he would also look foolish and he'd lose honor. And when the manager went looking for work elsewhere in the area, no one, no one would learn about his mismanagement from the landowner. And so then we read further in Luke 16.8. He records, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Now, in the end, this manager is still a crook, but he was a smart crook. And the landowner did not praise him for his integrity. The landowner still knew that he was a crook, but instead the landowner acknowledged his skill as a con artist. He had no choice but to admit that the dishonest manager knew him well. And he knew that the landowner valued his reputation as a generous and merciful Lord above all of his wealth. And the point that Jesus made is not, it is not about the criminal scheme of the manager. Instead, it's about the character of the landowner. The landowner is honorable, very generous, and merciful. So much that the manager could and did stake his life on that mercy. Now, if this unrighteous manager can rely on the generosity and the mercy of the wealthy landowner, how much more can we rely on the generosity and the mercy of God the Father? The unrighteous manager knew that he did not have the ability to save himself. Instead, he had to rely on the character of the wealthy landowner. And the unrighteous manager gambled his entire future, his well-being, on the character of the landowner. And so, too, we also can rely on the honor and the generosity and the mercy of our God. 
And we can readily see the mercy and the generosity of God in that the Son of God came to this world to take our place under the law. For we know this. We know that Jesus lived a perfect life of utmost honor. He did absolutely nothing to bring shame on himself or shame on his Father in heaven. And even so, this Jesus, he surrendered his honor, gave it up in exchange for the shame of a death on a cross. And in the most unfair transaction of all time, of all time, the Son of God took all of our shame onto himself and he gave his honor to us. But he didn't remain in the shame of the crucifixion. Paul writes in Romans 1, but he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. And in a letter to the church of Philippi, Paul writes, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is risen. He's risen from the shame of his death, and he has ascended into heaven where he now rules all things in infinite honor. And he has promised all of those who believe in him that they shall be where he is. So in the parable that Jesus told, we read, we heard that the crooked manager said, take your bill and sit down and quickly write 50. Or take your bill and quickly write down 80. But Jesus does not look at our debt of sin and say, take your bill and write down 80. He doesn't even say, take your bill and write down 50. He doesn't do that. We know this, that the moment before he died on the cross, his last words were, it is finished. In the original Greek, in the phrase, it is finished, it's the word or the root word, teleo. And this word has another meaning. And tell a story, if a merchant rode telestai on a bill. It meant paid in full. And when we sit down with our merciful Lord, and he looks at our debt of sin, your debt, my debt, and he says, I died for this. 
go ahead and write, paid in full. In the name of Jesus, amen. Will you please stand if you're able? Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit 
and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for all people in accordance to their needs. The Apostle Paul instructs us, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And so rejoicing in Christ's salvation offered to all, let us call upon God our Father for ourselves and for all people. Kind and loving Father, your Son declared to us that we cannot serve you and also be devoted to money. Free all your baptized children from obsession with the goods of this world that they may set their hearts on the joys of the kingdom and the inheritance that never fades. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you entrust to your people the abundant wealth of Christ's salvation in your word and sacraments. And bless pastors that they may be faithful stewards of these mysteries and grant that all your people would make proper use of your means of grace and rejoice in your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, maker of heaven and earth, you have created man and woman for different offices and with different gifts that they might complement one another and glorify you. Grant that in our homes and congregations, your people might rejoice in the callings that you have given to them. Lord, in your mercy, God, our Savior, uphold Joe Biden, our president, and Gavin Newsom, our governor, and all whom you have placed in high positions with wisdom and mercy, that they may lead peaceable and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, be with the sick and those who suffer, those troubled in mind, those grieving in their sorrows and the dying in their last hours. We lift those up in our hearts, our minds, and out loud right now. Grant them the comfort of your presence 
relief according to your will, and peace in their hearts. Lord, in your mercy, gracious God, your Son gave himself as a ransom for all, and now gives himself to us that we might have life and salvation. Give us unity in faith and hearts eager for mercy as we receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty Father, you desire all to be saved. Remember your foes who forget your word and call them to repentance and faith that they also would rejoice in your righteousness and salvation. Lord, in your mercy. And we give thanks to you, O Lord, for you have forgiven our debt of sin for the sake of Jesus. Preserve us in his grace and life until the day when you gather us to be among the saints in glory around your throne. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should, at all times and in all places, offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection, he has opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, 
he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. We take Jesus at his word. We should take him always at his word. And his word is, this is my body, this is my blood, broken, given for you, shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins. That's what he said. It's more than a symbol. It is a means of grace. And we should also take him at his word when he says, it is finished. It isn't my perfect work worked on that cross, plus anything that you do or your pastor does. It is finished for all who believe, for all who call out, Lord, Lord. He's there for you. He rescued you. You and I all got that beautiful, great exchange. Our sin and shame exchanged to him, put on him, and we receive honor, forgiveness, life eternal with him. This is a foretaste of the feast to come. This is like a receipt of what we're going to have forever in heaven. May it bless you. May it comfort you. And may it keep you in his joy Come, the table is prepared, and the ushers will bring you up.
It is finished. Paid in full. Don't ever forget that. For those who believe, you're in. Another benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In glorious day Up from the grave he rose